the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. LCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. They were angry. They were irritated. And so, in telling them not to fret because of evildoers, David is telling them, calm down. Just calm down. Stop being so upset. Stop being so hot under the collar. If we were saying this today, expressing it, we might say something like, you know what, just just chill out. Just cool down. In his book, Making Sense of Your Faith, William Brown told about a Midwestern farmer who had a strong dislike for religious things, as he called them. As he plowed his field on Sunday mornings, he would shake his fist at the church people who passed by on their way to worship. October came, and the farmer had his finest crop ever, the best in the entire county, in fact. When the harvest was complete, he placed an advertisement in a local paper which belittled the Christians for their faith in God. Near the end of his diatribe, he wrote, Faith in God must not mean much if someone like me can prosper. Now, the response from the Christians in the community was quiet and polite. In the next edition of the town paper, a small ad appeared. It read simply, God doesn't always settle his accounts in October. Hi, welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we're diving into a new series of lessons, and it's from Psalm 37. It's called Fret Not Because of Evildoers. When our children learn to whine, one of the first things they whined about is fairness. Anytime they didn't like their situation, they said, That's not fair. Did you have that happen in your family? The more siblings in the family, the more the parents heard that phrase. And it seems like we have a hard time growing out of that unrealistic expectation of fairness. Sometimes we get really worked up about the prosperity of evil people and the suffering of those we like to think of as innocent. King David saw more than a little unfairness in his lifetime, and he said we need to take a different approach. Let's listen as Pastor Steve explains. In his Sermon on the Mount... Jesus said something that must have absolutely shocked his listeners. He said, blessed are the gentle, for they, the gentle, shall inherit the earth. Now, the reason these words must have shocked our Lord's audience is because as first century Jews living in Israel, what Jesus said about the gentle inheriting the earth went completely against their grain of thinking. Completely. See, most Jewish people at that time longed for the arrival of God's kingdom on earth, and not because they were so spiritually minded. That wasn't the issue. But because they were weary of being dominated by Gentile empires, Gentile nations. For much of their history, Israel had been oppressed by the ruling empires of the world. There was, there was first Assyria and then Babylon, and then Persia, and then Greece. And the day that Jesus spoke these words, Rome was in charge 
of the Jewish people. They were living under Roman rule. So the Jewish people of that day long for their freedom. They long for their independence. Many of them were looking for the Messiah to come, not to deliver them from their sin, but to deliver them from Roman oppression and to deliver them with brute force and military power. And once the Messiah defeated Rome, they just anticipated that he would then establish his kingdom on earth with those who had been assertive, those who had been arrogant, those who had been aggressive in fighting Rome with him. But in saying to them, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth, Jesus was essentially telling them that the people who will inherit the earth in his kingdom aren't those who conquer by fighting, but rather those who are are meek, those who are gentle. Now, if we're honest, we have to admit that what Jesus said about the gentle inheriting the earth, it does sound a little peculiar. We might even say a bit outlandish. In fact, you don't have to be a Jewish audience looking for an earthly kingdom to consider these words outlandish because they still sound strange to people today, even to some of us who are believers in Christ. And the reason they sound strange is because they go completely against conventional thinking and what we see, frankly, happening in our world today. Our observation has generally been that the meek may go to heaven, but aggressive and assertive people are the ones who take over the earth. This one woman who opposed the message of Christianity said to the person who was witnessing to her, she said, you and I both know that the meek get ground into the earth. Or if you're looking for a more popular way of expressing the same philosophy of life, you'll find it summed up in the words of legendary baseball manager Leo DeRocher, who once said, nice guys finish last. See, the concept of a meek person gaining anything presents a problem to us because it is such an alien concept in our society. Successful money-making businesses aren't run by this principle. Governments don't, don't live by the concept of meekness. High-powered corporations aren't organized around the principle of gentleness. Our world says if you want something, you've got to be tough, not gentle. You don't get anything by being meek. If you want something bad enough, you aggressively go for it. It's a dog-eat-dog survival of the fittest world that we live in. That's the philosophy of our world. So in light of that then, how are we to understand These words by our Lord, blessed are the gentle, for they, the gentle, the meek, shall inherit the earth. How do we interpret this when when these words seem so foreign, so contrary to not only the philosophy of life, but to our experience? Well, interestingly, the answer as to how we should understand what Jesus meant by these words is not found in the Sermon on the Mount. Because after saying these words, Jesus did not explain them. He just moved on to the next Beatitude. However, he didn't need to explain these words to his Jewish audience. And the reason for that is because about 1,000 years prior to our Lord's public ministry, King David, King David wrote a psalm that fully explains how the meek will inherit the earth. That psalm is Psalm 37, and today we begin a study of it. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 37. Now, although we're only going to look at the first three verses today, I do want to read verses 1 through 11. And these first 11 verses constitute the first section 
of this psalm. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he'll do it. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, your judgment as as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they'll inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more, and you'll look carefully for his place, and he'll not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Now, first of all, what I want you to see is this connection between our Lord's words in the Sermon on the Mount and what David wrote here in Psalm 37. Notice that Jesus said that those who are gentle will, in the future, inherit the earth. Now, that particular phrase, shall inherit the earth, is a unique Old Testament phrase. And in Psalm 37, it is used directly in relation to meekness and humility. Several times throughout the psalm, David specifically mentions this concept of inheriting the earth. He may call it inheriting the land, but it's essentially the same thing. It's a reference to Jewish people continuing to live in the land that God gave the nation of Israel, the land of Israel, while they were experiencing God's blessings in that land. Notice verse 9, for evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they'll inherit the land. Verse 22, for those blessed by him will inherit the land. Those cursed by him will be cut off. Verse 29, the righteous will inherit the land and will dwell in it forever. Verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. And then notice, let's go back, notice verse 11, which we have here is almost an exact phrase of the form that Jesus used in this third beatitude. Verse 11 says, but the humble will inherit the lamb. In fact, the New King James Version, if you have that translation, puts it this way, but the meek shall inherit the earth, pretty much what Jesus was saying. Now, what all of this tells us, and here's the connection, is that in the giving of this third beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was echoing the same truth that David spoke of in Psalm 37. Listen closely. Psalm 37 deals with the age-old question of why God's people, who are characterized by gentleness, why they suffer, why they have so many hardships, while unbelievers, whom he calls here evildoers, the wicked, or wrongdoers, why they seem to prosper, why they seem to have success, and they don't have some of the same major difficulties that that believers have. They don't have some of the same problems that believers have. In fact, notice the very first verse of the psalm lays it out for us, tells us the problem that David was addressing when he wrote Psalm 37. He said, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious 
toward wrongdoers. Now notice that David begins this psalm, but not as a prayer. So many of the psalms are actually prayers to God. This is not a prayer. In fact, it's not even an expression of worship directed towards God. He's exhorting his readers. He's teaching them. He's not praying. In fact, this psalm isn't addressed to God at all. There is no prayer in this psalm. It's written directly to the Jewish people of David's generation, instructing them, teaching them to think accurately about unbelievers, to respond properly to God as they see the wicked prosper while they themselves go through suffering. So this is a psalm that is designed to teach wisdom, the wisdom of God's perspective on the prosperity of the wicked. And David, he's the most qualified man to teach us this. He's qualified to be our teacher. Why? Because, listen, we don't know exactly when David wrote this psalm, time of his life in terms of the historical background, but we do know that he wrote it as an old man, the latter years of his life. And as a result of of his age, his maturity, he writes as one who is mature, one who is wise, one who has lived long enough to observe God's faithful dealings with his people. And so he is qualified to impart some wisdom. Verse 25 tells us this. David writes, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. David says, I've lived a long time and I've never seen God forget his his own. So understand this, that as an old man, David writes this psalm, and although it is classified as a psalm, why? What makes it a psalm? It is a song. It's a song. That's what a psalm means. But yet in many ways, Psalm 37 looks more like it would fit in, in Proverbs because It sounds like a proverb. It just contains a number of wise, pithy statements, much like Proverbs. But it is a psalm, a psalm that teaches God's wisdom. And we see this right away in Psalm 37 because David begins the psalm with one of those succinct words of wisdom, which, as I told you a moment ago, the very first verse addresses the heart of the issue that the king of Israel was dealing with. It sets the tone for the rest of of the psalm. Notice verse 1 again. He says, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. Now, based on what we read here, what we learn is that there were many believers in Israel in the day of David who were fretting. Obviously, they were fretting if he says, don't fret. They were fretting over ungodly people who, as they looked around, they saw, they saw them prospering. And apparently this was a major problem because David doesn't only mention it here in verse 1. He mentions it in several other places. Notice in verses 7 and 8, he says, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Verse 8, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. So fretting was a big problem in David's day. It was going on amongst the people of God. question is, what does it mean? What exactly does David mean when he says, do not fret? Well, this verse, this word, was written in Hebrew. In the Hebrew text, the word that is translated fret literally means to be heated. 
to be heated in the sense of burning up with anger. These people were all worked up over the fact that that they were trying to follow the Lord, they were trying to be observant of his laws, but they were encountering all kinds of problems, all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of difficulties in life, while those who were wicked and lawless and couldn't care less about the Lord, they're prospering, they're thriving. In fact, some of their wicked behavior involved evil plots against the righteous, and they seemed to be getting away with it. Notice, Verses 12 and then 14, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn the sword, bent their their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy to slay those who are upright in conduct. Now, those in Israel were upset over this. They were angry. They were irritated. And so in telling them not to fret because of evildoers, David is telling them, calm down. Just calm down. Stop being so upset. Stop being so hot under the collar. If we were saying this today, expressing it, we might say something like, you know what, just just chill out. Just cool down. Just calm down. But in addition to being upset, these believers also were jealous over these people who were prospering. Jealous over their material prosperity, over their successfulness in life. This is what David tells us in the second part of verse 1. He says, do not be envious toward wrongdoers. So not only were the believers of his day upset and angry over the wicked who, who were thriving, but they resented their success. They resented their prosperity, and they wished that they could trade places with them and experience some of this prosperity. Now, this was the prevailing mood amongst the believers in David's day. They were angry and envious over the good things that were happening in the lives of the lawless and the fact that they were being persecuted by these evildoers while at the same time struggling and suffering in life. And perhaps, I think it's very reasonable to understand that that some of their anger was directed against God himself because, after all, it seems so unfair seemed so unjust of of God to prosper the wicked while his own people were running into all kinds of of trouble. Now, I think that all of us can empathize with people like this, with the believers of David's day. This, This isn't such an odd feeling that we couldn't relate to it, because if we're honest, we'd have to admit that there have been times that we felt exactly the same way. We know how they were feeling. We've all known what it is to be irritated, and irked when someone who has absolutely no interest in the Lord seems to be leading an ideal life, relatively trouble-free, making lots of money, business going really well. They're swimming in luxuries. They're held in high esteem by, by many. Their health is reasonably good. All the while, they are living in total disregard of God. At the same time, we who are trying so hard to honor the Lord, so hard to walk in obedience before him, we keep running into all kinds of problems. We have money troubles. We have job issues. Bills keep piling up, family difficulties, health concerns. And we're not being held in high esteem by the world. We're being held in low esteem because of our faith in Christ. Listen, when we see all this kind of stuff going on, not only is it easy to be angry, and envious towards 
ungodly people, it's also easy to doubt the Lord. It's easy to wonder, where is God in all of this? Why doesn't he do anything about this situation? Is he really just? Does he really care about us? Does he really know what's going on? And if he does, why hasn't he done anything? Doesn't he have the power to do anything? Well, if you've ever felt like this, or you've ever wrestled with this question of why some ungodly people seem to to thrive and flourish and have so much success while some godly people suffer so much, have so many trials, then you'll want to pay close attention to our studies in Psalm 37. We'll only scratch the surface today. This will take a while. Because in this psalm, David addresses this very issue by imparting to us godly, mature, and most importantly, divinely inspired wisdom on the subject. And the way he does this is most interesting. It isn't apparent in our English Bibles, but in the Hebrew text, Psalm 37 is what's known as an alphabetic acrostic because every other verse begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, there are a few other Psalms that are written like this, Psalm 119 being the most notable one, and probably the reason that that David did this was, well, two reasons. Number one, poetic style, but also as a device to aid the Jewish people in memorizing these psalms. And quite frankly, because David structured Psalm 37 around the Hebrew alphabet, it is a little challenging. It's a little challenging to come up with an easy-to-follow outline of this psalm, because throughout the psalm, David tends to go back and forth repeating himself, saying essentially some of the same truths just a number of of times. However, although there are lots of repetitious thoughts in Psalm 37, there's really only one specific question that David is addressing in the psalm. And if you keep that in mind, it'll help you to understand the psalm. He is addressing this one problem, this one question, If you'll keep that in mind, it'll help you to understand David's message, the theme of this psalm, the meaning of the psalm. That one question is this, how do we stay calm? How do we not get upset when the ungodly are so prosperous and we're not and God appears to be indifferent to our situation? That's the issue of this psalm. That's exactly what David is saying to us in the very first verse of the psalm. I told you, it, it sets the tone for the psalm. It addresses the, the heart of the problem. Don't fret because of evildoers. Stay calm. Stay cool. Be composed when you see the wicked thriving and you are not so thriving. The rest of the psalm is simply an answer to this one question. How do we not fret over evildoers? That's easier said than done, isn't it? How do we not fret over evildoers and their apparent prosperity? Pastor Steve Kreloff will deal with that question on our next Verse by Verse. But if you were paying attention at the start of the broadcast when he read the scripture text, you're probably already aware that the answer has to do with our perspective. I'm glad you could be here today for Verse by Verse and the start of a new series of Bible lessons taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We hope that if you're in Clearwater on a Sunday morning, you'll stop in for a visit. I know Pastor Steve would be thrilled to meet you. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Sunday school is at 9 and worship at 1040. 
To find out more, call 727-441-1714 or on the internet, go to lakesidechapel.com. At Verse by Verse, our goal is to provide expository Bible teaching that applies to real-life situations so that we can all grow more like Jesus as we apply what we learn here to the decisions we face at work, at home, or at school. To provide that teaching over the radio, we need your prayers, and if the Lord moves you that way, your gifts. We are very grateful for the people whose generosity helps pay for our airtime and production costs. If you'd like to become one of our financial supporters, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, or call 727-441-1714. That's versebyverseradio.org or 727-441-1714. The prophet Habakkuk was highly distressed about the injustice he saw in his land. He complained to the Lord, Destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore the law is ignored, and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Interestingly, God responded by saying he would send the Chaldeans to punish Judah. That's not quite what the prophet had in mind when he registered his complaint. But his reply to God is beautiful. He said that no matter how bad things got, he would exult in the Lord and rejoice in the God of his salvation. Habakkuk was able to see that the apparent injustice he witnessed was not a permanent situation, and even though God's handling of it might be unpleasant, it would ultimately lead to his salvation. This Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.